I'd like you to turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. When you come into the Bible, you come into the New Testament, you find that there are different times uh, and places where Paul or Peter, whoever might be writing the epistle, you will find them uh, breaking out into prayer as they write. Uh, they are praying and they want the, the group of people who uh, they're going to be writing, or that they're writing to and who are going to be receiving the letter, they want them to know what that prayer is and what it says. When we come to these prayers, a lot of times I know we skip over them or at least we, maybe we read them kind of quickly because we somehow think they apply only to a specific group of people. Yet today I want to just take one of the prayers that Paul prays over the Thessalonian church and just preach a message entitled, The God Who. The God Who. We're going to see what he does after this. But read with me, starting at chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. The Bible says, Now may our God and Father himself And our Lord Jesus, clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. That to me is one of the most powerful prayers in the New Testament because it covers a wide range of things in our lives. It covers a number of things that I believe we need to learn how to believe God for When we pray, we don't just pray as sort of a spiritual thing to do. There are a lot of religions that pray. A lot of religions in the world take time to pray. In fact, I would say that some of the major religions of the world uh, pray even more than some Christians do. You think about Islam. They pray, I believe, anywhere from three to five times a day. You think about Judaism. They take time to pray. And obviously in a number of cases they have set prayers that they read from and they, you know, they read and they pray and, and they will pray often facing east or facing some direction uh, simply because, and we know in the Bible, in the Old Testament, Daniel took time to pray three times a day. He would open his window and face toward Jerusalem to pray there are, there are other you know, places where we find uh, in the world where people, they are very devout in their prayer. And yet, it's not necessarily the act of praying, it is who you're praying to that really matters most. When you think about Daniel and how it was that he prayed, he was praying to the God of heaven. And he was praying to a God who heard him And we also know it was a God who answered him. A God who showed up to help him. When Paul is praying, he is praying not so that 
The people will know, okay, Paul prays, so i got to pray too and be spiritual like Paul. He wasn't doing that. He was praying to a God who heard his prayer, a God who was going to answer his prayer, a God who was going to do the things that he was asking God to do. (coughs) And what are those things? Let's look at the first one. (coughs) Excuse me. The Bible says he is the God who clears the way. He's the God who clears the way. I'm hoping to clear away in my throat right now. He is a God who clears the way. God clears obstacles out of the way. Paul was praying, I want God to clear the way for me to come to you, but I don't want you to necessarily focus on Paul getting to them. I want you to see what God is able to do in your life that he is a God who is able to clear out the obstacles from your life and from the things that hinder you in being able to move forward in God. Some of you say, well, but i got a plan, and that plan's got to open up because that's my plan. No, it doesn't have to. It's got to be the will of God. It's got to be what God wants you to do, and I want you to know that God will clear the way. There are times in our lives where obstacles are in the way and we think that somehow, you know, I, I, I can't get it out of I can't do it myself. I can't make it happen myself. We need to learn to turn to God in all of that and say, God, you've got to clear the obstacles out of the way. It could be that something, God has spoken something to your heart to do in life and you're not there yet. And maybe it is that God has, has said, here's what I'm promising, I'm promising that this church is going to be a specific thing, that this body is going to be a blessing in the neighborhood that we're in, but we're not quite seeing the impact yet. We've got to pray, God, take the obstacles out of the way. He is a God who clears all the obstacles out. Folks, God is never going to take second place to the enemy. I want you to know that. The enemy does his best to try to hinder God's work. He will do his best to get in the way. He'll do his best to distract you. He'll do his best to to take your eyes off the goal, off what it is that you need to do in the body of Christ, how it is that you need to serve, what you need to be able to do in, in making a difference for the kingdom of God. He will distract you. He will make you think you're going to spend so much time doing this and doing that. And listen, why don't you do this? Because this is going to make you feel good. But, but all of these things become obstacles. They become distractions. And we've got to begin to pray, God, take every obstacle out of the way so that we can really be a blessing. Paul writes... And he says those words that are so important. Now may the God, may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way. He's not praying to somebody who is powerless. He said, May our God and Father and our Lord Jesus clear the way. He's not praying to somebody who, you know, isn't aware of what's going on. He's not praying to somebody who doesn't know what's happening. I know a lot of times we feel like when we come to the place of prayer we begin to pray about our problems it's as if we are now informing God of something he didn't already know so God you know Lord I'm not sure if you're aware of this oh listen he's aware of it 
He's fully aware of what's going on in your life. He knows everything about you. He knows every detail of what's happening in your life. And brothers and sisters, all of us need to recognize that He is a God who clears the way. He takes obstacles out of the way. What's hindering you today? We know, I talked recently about running to win, about the hindrances, those things, those weights, those things that get in the way of our running the Christian race. It might be some of those things are still in the way. Some of those things are still plaguing you. But you need to begin to pray, God, clear the way in my life. Take those things out of the way that I can run the race that is set before me. And I can endure this Christian life the way that I need to. That I can be victorious in you. Folks, He is a God who clears the way. No matter what you are going through, no matter what you feel the obstacle is, you need to recognize Paul was writing, he says, and Paul is talking about how he wants to be able to get to them. There were times where God literally told Paul, no, I want you to go in another direction. I want you to go here. Paul wanted to go in one direction. God told him, listen, you're going to go here. And you know what Paul did? Paul didn't go in his own direction. Paul went the way God told him to. He said, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. He is a God who clears the way. If God wants you to move in a specific direction, He is going to open up the way for you to do it. Remember, the enemy will do his best to hinder, but God will always win. God will always, always win. Everything that the enemy can throw up as obstacles to your spiritual growth or the prayers that you have prayed, God will come out on the winning side if you are going to trust in Him. If you believe in Him, you hope in Him, I want you to know there is no distraction, there is no obstacle that will get in the way. God will be victorious in your life. Not only that, God does this for the purpose of encouragement. You see, I don't think for a minute that God wants all of us to walk around like being like, you know, somber, angry Christians. You know, there are angry Christians out there. Did you know that? They're all just angry at the world because the world's so sinful. I'm not saying you should not look at sin and hate it. I'm not saying that you should not look at the world that we live in and hate the violence. I'm not saying that you should not look out there and say, God, please do something about this situation. But you know, they're just, they're just angry all the time. And they're going to preach that way. They're going to talk that way. They're going to act that way. God wants to encourage believers. I believe a believer with a smile on their face looks a whole lot better than a believer who looks like they've been sucking on sour lemons for the last three weeks. A believer who is, you know, is actually encouraged can then be an encouragement to somebody else. Now, Paul was praying for his ability that God would clear the way for him to get to the Thessalonian church. And there was a purpose for that. It was for encouragement. God wants to encourage his people. God does not want you and I to walk out of the building thinking that somehow we're just going to fail in our Christianity. If I, if I preach that way, I've failed. If you walk out the door thinking, man, I've just, I've blown it and I'm always going to blow it, then I have failed as a minister of the gospel. Because Paul wanted to get to these believers so he could encourage them in the gospel. God wants to clear the way for the purpose of encouragement. 
Paul wanted to get to the Thessalonian church for that purpose, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen until about five years later. Think about that for a minute. That somehow God has a purpose and a plan for delays. We, we, there's no better example than that of when Lazarus was in the tomb. You know, Lazarus was sick. Remember Lazarus in the New Testament, the Gospel of John, John chapter 11? They sent word to Jesus, Jesus, your friend Lazarus, he's really sick. You've got to come now. And Jesus, the Bible said, said, stayed where he was, you know, a few extra days. Like, no sense of urgency. I mean, come on, Jesus, this is your friend. It's a family that you, you know, you pop in on, get a meal, and you, you know, talk to them. And they're, they're your friends. They were, these were close friends of Jesus. Lazarus is sick. Come now. Ah, guys, let's go over here. I got some things to do over here. Ooh, talk about pastoral care. Not my idea. But Jesus did it because Jesus had a greater purpose. There was a purpose in delay. The delay was there's going to be greater glory when there's resurrection. You know, raising out of a sickbed's one thing, but calling somebody out of a tomb, that's a whole other matter. That's a whole other story. That, brothers and sisters, will, will, that'll make the press. There's a purpose. Why Paul didn't get there right away? We think encouragement's needed right now. Right now, Paul, got to get there. We'll pray with you, Paul. Five years later, I don't know why God delays sometimes, but there are times that he allows it to happen, and we might look at it like it's an obstacle. It's not that God is unable to get the obstacles out of the way. It's there are greater purposes that you and I don't know about. We've got to understand that we live by faith. We're not living by faith in us. We are living by faith in Him. A God who sees, a God who knows, a God who understands what the end is from the beginning. We are trusting in a God who knows more than we do. And I know that that's hard sometimes for us to understand. We like to have it all together and think that we know everything, but we don't. We've got to trust in a God who knows exactly what's happening. When God clears the way for your life, it isn't so you can kind of sit idly by and do nothing. God has a purpose. His purpose is for you to be a blessing to others. If you are looking for God to clear the way so you can look at it around and say, I got what I wanted, then God is not going to do it. Well, I shouldn't say that because there are times where God gave his people what it was that they wanted even though he knew it wasn't best. You keep badgering God for your plan, eventually God might end up giving it to you and you will be sorry that you ever got it. I say that as a word of warning. Let God clear the obstacles. Let God be the one to do that because God's got a greater purpose. His purpose is for you to be a blessing. He doesn't want you to kind of sit idly by. He wants you to reach out to those who are around you and minister encouragement to them. He is the God who clears the way. Not only that, He is the God who makes love increase and overflow. Look at verse 12 in this passage. The Bible says, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow in what direction? Really, basically two directions. For each other, that is within the body, and for everyone else. That could be the body of Christ in other places, but let's face it, that's even easy 
or easier. What's more difficult is to have love for those in the world who kind of look with disdain on Christianity. They look with disdain on what it is that you and I believe today. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what God will do for us, and Paul is praying it, that the Lord would make love increase and overflow. You see, love can increase on the inside. But you know, really, in the end, if it doesn't overflow, it's not going to be a blessing. The, the, the Bible indicates that love is best distributed when it overflows. It's not, you know, I love you with the love of the Lord, you know, kind of thing. And, and we say it, but then we don't do anything with it. You know, love is when somebody is hurting and maybe all you know how to do is pray, but you pray. I got to tell you as a pastor, there are times people tell me things, I don't know what to say. I don't. I really don't. And if I, I don't think I'm the only pastor in that situation. I think there are other pastors who are like now. There, there are some really wise individuals who've lived a long time. They, they know the right thing to say, you know. But there are times where you just you don't know what to say. But you know what we know how to do? We know how to pray. We know how to call on the Lord. And as we we hear these things, it's more than just saying, "Well, I love you," but then you don't do anything to show it. There has to be something that shows us and that we love one another. And Paul says here, he wants love to increase and overflow for each other. That is the body right here. If you walk out of this building today feeling like nobody touched your life, nobody blessed you, nobody, nobody came up alongside of you and helped you out, then as a body, I think we failed a little bit. I think what we've got to learn to do, and this is why I, one of the reasons why I think we have this custom. Not every church does this, but somewhere in the meeting, you know, we turn around, we greet one another. It's not a time filler, folks. There's a purpose to it. It's to show love to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know why? Because Candace lives further down. She lives down on Sheridan Road. Nancy lives up in Evanston. And, and, and Choley travels all the way from Elgin which is like out there now because she's living with her daughter. And Julian and Christy, they're in Oak Park. And there are others, some of you live close by, but then some of you come from greater distances. The only time you see each other is now. So we got to make the most of it. So love has to increase. And this is a time for love to overflow to one another. We have a Friday night fellowship that's going to be coming up. Our love is going to overflow for one another during those times. And also, it's going to overflow for the world, for those that are around the world. There is a purpose for it. Brothers and sisters, we got to pray that God will help us to be full of love. In a world where love is one of those things that's just thrown around so carelessly, we've got to pray that we will have that genuine God kind of love. The love that is sacrificial. The love that says, you can say what you want to say to me, but I'm still going to love you. I, I love, I, I just a little while ago read uh, 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 Brother Wilkerson's book, uh, David Wilkerson's book, Crossing the Switchblade. I confess I had never read the book. I'd watched the movie when I was younger, but I, I, I picked up the book, read the book. And as I was reading the book, I got to the part where he's talking to Nicky Cruz. And Nicky was just, he was just so full of the devil at that point involved in the gangs in New York. And, you know, Nicky's he's the toughest guy that there is. Nobody wanted to mess with him. 
and, and he's there. He's got, you know, pulled a knife on, on David Wilkerson, the skinny little preacher from Pennsylvania, walking into New York City. And, and he says to him, he says, Nikki, you can cut me into a thousand pieces, but every piece is going to say, I love you. Brothers and sisters, that's love that overflows. That's love that look at, looks at somebody in spite of how mean they are to you. You can still say, I love you. Now, if we've arrived at that place yet, wonderful. But I think some of us need to begin to pray the way Paul prayed and say, God, make that love increase in me and may it overflow because I got to deal with some people who don't know Jesus. Help us, Lord, to love the way that we need to love. Help us to love one another the way that we need to love. A lot of times in the church, we can have, you know, we can write people off very easily, very quickly. They give in to sin. Maybe it is that they leave the church. They don't go to another church. They just leave because they, they know that they're, li- they're not living right. They leave the church, well, they're gone. There's another one. We kind of say it with this little attitude. Maybe it is that they, you know, they get upset with me as a pastor. Not that that's happened ever. (laughs) Okay, I need to stop lying from the pulpit. Um, You know, they get upset. And, And, you know, they go to another church. You know, God has to help us to do is to love is to love no matter what happens as the body of Christ. You know what? My heart, heart's desire is you serve Jesus. Now, I want you to serve Jesus here. I want to see the church grow. I, I don't want it to see it stay the same, but I want to see it grow. But I want you to serve Jesus and come here. But you know what? I just want you to serve Jesus. If you decide you got to leave, you got to go somewhere else because you feel like you better serve Jesus there, then you know what? This is America. It's a free country. Nobody's holding a gun to your head. You can go elsewhere. It's okay. But I want you to serve Jesus. But we have to love. A lot of times we get offended when somebody leaves us. We get, a, we get hurt by that. and We think, well, I, you know, I don't understand. Of course, the first response is, well, pastor, what'd you do? You know, how, what, how, come, you, how come they're... I don't worry about that. And I don't worry about what people think about that because a lot of times there are things that we as I as a pastor cannot, will not share with you that went on behind closed doors, that were said behind closed doors. I'm not going to share that. That's confidentiality. But we have got to believe that wherever they go, they're going to serve Jesus. Now, if they're bitter and they're walking away, God's going to have to deal with the bitterness. I'm not the one to deal with it. God's going to have to do it because that's his job, not mine. We've got to pray, Lord, help me to love. No matter what, no matter what people decide to do, no no matter where they go. A lot of times we look around us in the church. We get offended at a brother or sister in Christ. And we don't leave the church. We just give them the cold shoulder. Hmm. I think you ought to be acting this way, but you're not. So you know what I'm going to speak to you. Or when I speak to you, I'm going to speak to you just, you know, kind of sternly. That's mine. You know, I mean, that's, how, that's where it goes, folks. Really, it gets down to the, when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, you know what it is? It's childish. 
It's unloving. It's unchristlike. It doesn't look like Jesus. So we've got to pray, Lord, make the love increase and overflow in my life that I will love my brother or sister no matter what they're going through. Can I hear an amen? I know it's hard. I know there are times in our lives where we get offended at others and we feel like they shouldn't have said that, they shouldn't have done that. And rather than do what the Bible says, which is go to them immediately and make it right, don't go and just vent your problems and say how, how mean they were and then walk away. You know, that's not right. You go to them and you say, brother, sister, here, I was hurt in this way. Maybe there's something I don't understand. Maybe something's going on that I, I, I'm not clear on, but I was offended. I was hurt. But I, I, I don't want there to be this. I want there to be love. I want there to be unity. You see, if we don't come around to this, this idea of, of loving one another in spite of how we failed, then we don't really understand the love of Jesus. Because Jesus loved you when you were sinful and hateful and in the world and you were doing your own thing and you didn't love him. He loved you in spite of it. How can we look at a brother or sister and say, well, you know what? You really hurt me and offended me. So, you know, that's it. You can't do that. That's unchristlike. We've got to love one another. Jesus told his disciples, love one another, even as I have loved you. A lot of times we allow that offense to get in and it ruins things in our hearts. Most of the times it's just within us. It's not anybody else. It's on the inside. You see, the root of bitterness springs up inside of us. But the Bible says eventually it gets out. When it gets out, it can defile many. It can hurt many and others. So we've got to pray as Paul prayed, Lord, let this love increase and let it overflow. You see, when you're full of love, you can't be full of hate. When you are full of the love of Jesus, you can't be full of anything else. You can be full of hurt, but you can still be full of love. Say, well, somebody hurt me. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you can let that go in one direction or the other. You can let it go into the area of hatred, but you won't have love. Or you can say, Lord, fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Yes, I might be hurt. My emotions were hurt. My mind was hurt. Something was hurt. But Lord, fill me with love. And he can fill you with love and teach you how to be able to say the words, I forgive you. Everybody say it with me. I forgive you. Good. That's good practice. Good practice. I'm going to move on. But before I do, we are seriously in danger of losing those words. You know what words we use today? It's okay. It's okay. It's not okay. It wasn't okay that they offended. It wasn't okay that they acted that way. Never say, somebody comes to you, brother, sister, I'm sorry that I offended you and I hurt you. I'm really sorry. I, I want to apologize. It wasn't right. And they're repenting to you and you say, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's never okay. You learn to say, I forgive you. Because that's what Jesus did to us. When we came to the altar and we repented of our sins, he didn't say to us, it's okay. He said, I forgive you. It's a whole, it's a whole other thing. It's a whole different world. I forgive you. 
from it's okay. It's okay says, it's okay that you did what you did. No, it's not. If I was sinful and I hurt God and I was, I was against God, God, God doesn't say to me, it's okay to do that. He's saying, I forgive you for doing that. Let's move on to a new life. That's true forgiveness. Let's move on in God to what it is that God has for us. Brothers and sisters, this is how love begins to increase in the body. It's how it begins to overflow. You've got offenses. It's time to put the offenses down. It's time to get rid of the nonsense, the baggage that you're carrying, and start to believe that God has called you to be a forgiver and a lover, not a fighter. He's called you to love one another. No matter what the offense is, put it aside. And let's move on in God. May love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. Let me just move on in this message. Final thing that God is able to do in our lives is He is the God who strengthens our hearts. He is the God who strengthens our hearts. Look at verse 13. The Bible says this. May He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in His presence, in the presence of our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. He is the God who strengthens. He strengthens, but why does He do it? He doesn't want you to be weak. There is nothing in Scripture that commends weakness in Christians. Absolutely nothing. There is nothing in your life that commends it, that lifts it up. You say, well, but what about when Paul said, when I'm weak, then he's strong, I'm going to glory in my weaknesses. Paul wasn't saying that God commends weakness. He is saying we are weak. By nature, we are weak as human beings. Therefore, we've got to trust in a God who strengthens. It's His strength that's going to come into our weakened lives, our weakened spirits, and give us the power that we need. God is not looking for weak little Christians to walk around and just, you know, be all frail and let me be weak. As it be- no, that's not what He's talking about. He's saying there's a greater strength that's going to help you because you're limited, but God is not limited. God is all-powerful. He is able to work in your life. He is able to strengthen you in your situation, in your problem, in your difficulty. Over and over again, the Bible speaks of those who are weak, finding strength in the Lord, and the fact that they needed God to, to possess that kind of strength. That no matter how weak they were in the flesh and in their their spirits, that God was able to empower them and give them what they needed. Listen, Peter wasn't able in his own strength to stand and to preach on the day of Pentecost. That wasn't Peter, folks. Peter was weak. We remember Peter. Peter was was the guy who just, you know, denied knowing Jesus three times. He was that guy. But when the power of the Spirit came into him, there was a difference. There was a change. He strengthens so that he, you will not be weak. 
He doesn't want you to be weak. He wants you to be strong. He wants you to be full of His power and His strength. As you meet those daily challenges, brothers and sisters, you might think, well, I, I don't have the strength. I can't do it. No, you probably can't. That's why you've got to call on the Lord. That's why this prayer of Paul's is a prayer that you and I can pray. We can say, Lord, please fill us with your power. The Bible tells us that he strengthens our hearts. This is the seat of your emotional and spiritual struggles. A lot of times, you know, strength, you need strength in the body, go take a nap. You need strength in the body, you know, go to bed, (laughs) go to sleep, and you will wake up feeling refreshed. You, we do certain things to take care of the body, but what about the spirit? What about our emotional well-being? How do we handle that? And we need to know that God is very active, or at least wants to be very active in strengthening our hearts. A lot of times, we hang on to the junk in our hearts because... I don't know why. We don't think that God cares about all of that. He doesn't care what's going on inside of me. Of course he cares what's going on inside of you. He cares about you more than you care about yourself. He cares about you and what's happening in your life more than anything and more than anybody. We've got to believe that he wants to strengthen our hearts. He wants to move within our hearts where the battles are often won and lost. A lot of times... Those battles are lost in our hearts. He wants to come into our hearts and into our lives so that we can be full of faith and that faith will arise and no discouragement will settle in. It is within the heart that temptations occur. The enemy often presents something. That's not sin for the enemy to present something. It doesn't mean you give in to it. But it is within your heart that that battle is raging. It's like the man who said one day, he said, you know, I feel like I've got two dogs on the inside of me and they're fighting. The other guy said, well, which dog wins? He said, well, you know, really it comes down to whichever dog I feed the most. That's the dog's going to win. It's the dog with strength. It is, are you strengthening your life by the word of God and by prayer or are you just kind of skating by? Let me just sort of skate by and miss out. He does so for the purpose of being blameless. This, brothers and sisters, is so vitally important because there isn't anybody in this room who could stand and confess today that I am blameless. But I want you to know that in the righteousness of God, in what God has done by cleansing you of sin and washing you clean, you need to know that before God today, you are blameless before Him. Say, but what about what I did so long ago? No, listen, if you repented of that thing, you came and you gave it to the Lord and you gave your heart to the Lord, it's under the blood. The enemy may throw it up in your face every now and then. He may remind you of what it is that you have done in your past. What you ought to begin to do is just begin to remind him of his future. Remind him of what Jesus has done for you. Remind him of how he is your righteousness. It's not you. It's not what you can do. It's not how great you are, how wonderful, how good 
You are. Let me try. You know, I don't never, never robbed a bank. I've heard that so many times. Never robbed a bank. Never killed anybody. So I'm all right. The Bible doesn't say you're all right. It says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when we come to him, the gift of God is eternal life. Brothers and sisters, when we're under the blood, you are righteous before him. You are blameless before him. And I don't care what kind of junk somebody drags out of your closet and throws up in your face. You are a new creation, and don't you forget it. He strengthened your heart so you will continue in faith, the same way you came to Jesus in faith, it's so that you're going to continue in faith. It's so that you're going to keep going in God and you are going to give God your best. No matter what happens in your life, you will serve the Lord. You're going to choose to serve God. I'm going to preach a message hopefully here in the very short term that it's voting season. And you just, oh, you wait. Say, oh, pastor, you're going to get political. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm going to stay right in the word. I'm going to, you know me. I hate politics. It drives me nuts. I love, but I want, we're going to go to the word and we're going to learn who we're going to vote for. We're going to learn and say, pastor, are you really seriously? No, I'm not talking about on election day in November. I'm talking about now in your life. Who are you going to vote for? I feel like preaching that one now. Can we have time? No, we don't have time. I gotta, I gotta be end this thing. We need to learn that He wants to strengthen us on the inside, so that we'll be blameless before Him. You and I need to live a life that pleases and honors God. It's not your performance that's going to count. It's going to be your trust in what He has done for you. A lot of times we give ourselves headaches and heartaches because we walk away from what it is that we know is right and how we need to live and who we need to be trusting in. We're walking away from the one who is strengthening us, who is willing to strengthen. God wants to do that for you. He wants to strengthen you. He not only wants to strengthen you, He wants to make love increase and overflow in your life, and He wants to clear the way for you. He is a God who clears the way. Can we stand to our feet right now and let's give God praise.